0: Whether you are or know someone who is battling multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, type 1 diabetes, scleroderma, lupus, or any of the 24 autoimmune diseases that HSCT can halt, or are simply inspired by transformational journeys, you are in the right place. As we continue to grow the HSCT warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease. Recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We are glad you've joined us. So I'm so excited to talk with you, Bethany, because you are one of the initial inaugural HSCT warriors that went through HSCT in Chicago, right?
1: Yes, through Dr. Burt.
0: And so you say 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's just amazing. So 2005?
1: Uh, yeah, March 2005.
0: Wow. So how did you even find out about HSCT?
1: Um, in 2004, I'd probably say like September, October. Like I'm trying to think back 14 years ago. So some of this is a little foggy. Sure, it's a long time. Um, I struggled remembering last week. Um <laughs> But uh, my mom was watching. uh, Are you from Chicago? I am not from Chicago. Okay, so basically their NBC NBC station, she watches their news and she was watching the 10 o'clock news and I was already sleeping because back then, I mean, I literally would get up, go to work, come home. She would force me to go work out and I'd go to bed at like seven, eight o'clock. So like that was my life. And how, how long came, had you been living with MS? I was diagnosed in August of
0: 1998. Okay. So about seven years or so.
1: Yeah, it was seven. Or yeah, six years. Seven, yeah. When your mom
0: found. ADHD. When my mom found it. So she was watching and a news special about She was Dr. watching Bert. the
1: news special and he was on it. And she's like, if you ever want to look at something better. Well, I had gotten to the point where I couldn't take any of the drugs. So I was taking 1,250 milligrams of prednisone hmm. one day, once a month, which if you've ever taken prednisone, tears up your stomach. Indeed, I like go out of my way now, like if I have asthma, so um, if it gets bad enough, I have to take steroids, but I go out of my way not to take steroids just because it everything that I went through with prednisone back then, but it wasn't a long time solution. It was like just biding our time until we could find something else. And I was kind of at my end. I was relapsing probably two or three times a year. Mm. And I was 24 years old. Wow. So I couldn't move out because I couldn't take care of myself. I mean, going through college, there was a period in college where I went numb from the neck down.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And I literally could not even feed myself. So she handed it to me and is like, yeah, I'm done with this. There's got to be something else. There's got to be another option. And like everybody talks about on Facebook, neurologists don't like this.
0: Like HSCT, right?
1: Yeah, they hate it. So I went to my neurologist just for a follow up. And I told him that I was considering it. And he's like, it's like hitting a fly with a sledgehammer. I go, great. Do you have something else for me to take or do? And he goes, well, no, not right now. I'm like, then we're all doing right. this. Yeah, this is my option. Because I don't have any other options. Like there wasn't all these other drugs. I had terrible migraines. My sister takes they give her Botox for her migraines. Interesting. Well, back then they didn't do that. Right. No. Like you had to suffer through it, like suck it up, buttercup, like tough. Right. So um, I basically went to him and said, let's try this. And when I saw him, I wasn't bad enough, which was surprising to me. That's That interesting. I wasn't bad enough.
0: Yeah. I'm like,
1: I'm relapsing two to three times a year. I can barely walk and I'm 24. What do you mean I'm not bad enough? And he's like, you know what? You do have the precursors of what the the trial states. I'll take you on.
0: Well, yeah, that's so interesting to think back 14 years ago to what his trial parameters were because they've evolved over time.
1: Right. Absolutely. So that's kind of how I got into it. And I went in for my, they give you like a 18 page list of things that can happen And like the first thing on the list is you could die. right? And the second thing on the list is you could become sterile. And I'm like, and I handed it to my mom. I was crying. I handed it to my mom and I'm like, yeah, I can't read this. I don't want to know. And she's like, you really should know. I'm like, I do not want to know. Just get it over with. I do not want to know. You just knew you needed something different. I needed to do something different and I could not leave, leave my life like this. So... (laughs) Just do what you need to do. Which arm do you want to take blood out of? I I don't care.
0: Well, and as we were getting to know each other a little bit, you were talking about how prevalent autoimmune disease runs in your family. And so Mm -hmm. even watching your older relatives deal with their autoimmune issues, I'm sure you were at Mm -hmm. 24 very much ready to put an end to the disease.
1: Yeah. And I've, you know, I had, jra when i was a kid when i was three so juvenile rheumatoid arthritis Mm -hmm. when i was three and i've had asthma problems and i've had then i had ms now i have graves disease um but it's like always something but i'm not really i don't want to just take a pill for it like fix it like i just can't not do something especially that young
0: Oh yeah. So how did it work for you? Like how have your symptoms either resolved or improved or worsened?
1: I have had absolutely no symptoms since I got out of the hospital. I went in and I was supposed to be in the hospital for three, six months. I was in the hospital for two weeks. I was home bound for a week and I was back at work at the fourth week. Goodness. So from that point forward, I did have like a couple stomach issues. Like I couldn't really digest food very well. Um, all natural supplements helped that along. I do not have that problem anymore, thank God. Um, but I've had absolutely no symptoms in fourteen years.
0: That is amazing.
1: Ah, oh, so amazing. Like I refer to him as he's my angel. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be, I was able to move out when I was 30. Um, I now live about three hours from my parents, but um, I wouldn't have been able to do this and function without anybody if it weren't for him.
0: That's just amazing. And I think he knows you're grateful. So you all have maintained a good relationship over the years, right? I'm sure he's curious, we have. curious to know how you're doing, you know, yeah, going forward.
1: Yeah, five years. I signed the contract for five years and at five years I looked at him. I'm like, okay, we'll see you later. And he's like, well, you know, you can keep coming back if you want. And I'm like, yeah, that, yeah, no. <laughs> so the time that five years hit, I had just moved and going to the doctor is no longer like down the street. It's like a three hour trip one way. So I haven't seen anybody. I do. I am very conscious of everything that goes on with my body. There was one day, probably about a year and a half ago, I got home from work and my hand was numb and I like freaked out. I bet. Like, just totally freaked out. Oh. And it turned out like, cause I'm getting older and I'm not saying I'm old, but I am getting older and my body even though I'm only 39, my body feels like it's 65. It's been I think I quite a some, lot. Sure. I think I have like a pinch nerve in my back or something, which is causing the hand numbness, but it's very uh, eye opening when that just shows up out of nowhere. Sure. So I do have a, a general that I see once a year. She's very involved. She regulates my thyroid issues cuz my thyroid was removed uh 7 years ago I think no it had it been longer than that 12 years ago so she they reg- regulate my hormone levels and she kind of operates the whole thing and she always says she goes if anything ever pops up you need to go see somebody as soon as possible because it's always the worry when is it going to come back? Because I don't say that I'm cured. I say I'm in remission. There you go. It's not a cure.
0: Well, that's good. Has she done some research around HSCT and learned for herself?
1: She knew a little bit about it. She was my GP when I went through it. So she was aware of it. Um, I think she mainly focuses on keeping me whole. which sure, is a, and healthy, yeah. Which, which is a struggle. But like overall, I could be so much worse off. Like every year I make sure to celebrate my birthday and I celebrate my transplant birthday. I call it my, my second birthday. Sure. When was that? And I always do something that I couldn't do before the transplant on my transplant birthday. Nice. So I do something new. And then the other thing that I do to give back is I donate my hair every five years for the people that do want to wear a wig. Mm. They have that option that's really phenomenal because i i mean like everybody else i mine was gone in sure.
0: two weeks yeah did you wear a wig
1: i did not um because i was going through it in february it was cold Yeah. so i could yeah. pull off a lot of hats mm. when i got out of the hospital it was the end of march beginning of april so it was becoming a little uh troublesome to try to wear a wool hat but uh I made it work. They say that, you know, you'll start showing signs of like a menopause kind of thing. So you get hot flashes, you get, you know, just uncomfortable. And just the idea of putting a wig on my head, like freaked me out a little bit. Sure. So um, I did uh, have some fun in public every once in a while, like people were looking at me kind of funny. I would just take my hat off and just I called it shock and awe (laughs) and just the amount of staring is absolutely hysterical. And that's the one thing I've got three nieces and a nephew. And that's the one thing that I constantly tell them do not judge other people. Like you can't. And they're, they're very young. So they don't know what I went through at some point in time. I will. Sure. They know I have a second birthday. They don't know why. Hmm. Um, But that's the one thing like, I'd walk through the grocery store and I'd be bald and people would stare. I'm like, really? Take a picture. Right. Like that's seriously like because right before the transplant, I wanted to make sure I did everything that I like to do. So I like to go to zoo lights at Brookfield Zoo. I like to see the Christmas trees at the Museum of Science and Industry. So those were things that we made sure to go and do before I went through the transplant starting in February. And I couldn't I couldn't walk, so I had to be in a wheelchair, and I couldn't walk that far. That was the sure. idea of walking that far, like just made me tired thinking about it. And the amount of people that stare at you is, is truly amazing
0: yeah like we've got the plague or something
1: yeah like uh, are you going to give me something and like even with going through everything with my dad he's completely paralyzed now but at the point that he was just using wheelchairs even when you're at the hospital going to the doctor people yeah, stare they still at you. stare like i'm in a hospital mm. what are you looking at
0: right at least smile <laughs> at least smile
1: Yeah, like at least smile and say hi. Like, I'm not going to give you anything. Right. Other than kindness, if you were right. Yeah. So I'm curious, why was
0: it important for you to participate in the podcast?
1: Um, I have always been an advocate of getting as much information out there because there's no information really readily available. And since the at my one year checkup, because I had done so well, Dr. Burt and his staff had asked me if I would counsel patients that were thinking of going through it. Obviously, I'm 14 years out. It's way different now than it was when I went through it. But I counseled, I think I counseled like 10 or 15 patients to go through it. And actually one of them I'm still really close with. She's out of Ohio that we just kind of clicked. I think it's important because I didn't have anybody to talk to. Right. And that because there wasn't enough people in front of me. Like, there weren't enough people that were in my same situation. Like, if I had talked to somebody that was 60 years old, there's a disconnect. Whereas I was 25, that connection for the younger people that are going through it was very important. And I think all but one went through the transplant.
0: Um, that's fantastic that you offer that support to others so
1: I'm always willing to talk about it I actually was in Rome with Dr. Burt a year ago actually almost to the day the Cure Foundation puts on a um, conference I think it's like every two years maybe and uh, it's called Unite to Cure it takes place at the Vatican And it's basically a whole bunch of doctors that get together and tell what they're doing, like with stem cells and like how far these stem cells can go. Stem cells are the most underutilized thing in our body that I can even think of.
0: Yeah. Our body creates them all the
1: time. They're, they're doing work with like people that have like torn rotator cuffs or they're doing things with autism. Uh, it's so vast. They actually interviewed me at the conference. And how, uh, how was that experience? Oh, my God. It was by far probably one of the highlights of my life.
0: Sure. Just being And there. I've had a
1: lot of things happen in my life. But that like that whole thing, because it was just me. I didn't take anybody else. And uh, being able to walk around a foreign city that i didn't know and just traveling that far on your own traveling that far i mean i've been to italy for for work but i was with two other people doing it all by myself which is something i couldn't have done before the i'm roman catholic so obviously the vatican is my my home um they shut down uh the Sistine chapel for us so that it was just us We could take pictures, we could do whatever we wanted. We had private tours. We had a presence with the Pope. There were so many different things that I got to do by myself that I could have never have done before this.
0: Amazing.
1: So it was like, if I ever had to pick somewhere to live, Italy would be it for me. Like that, just everything about it.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful country.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: But how cool that you get to present with Dr. Burt about your experience.
1: Well, and for me, it was I get to tell my story again, because for people that don't know about it, that don't know what happens with it, that are scared of it. It's nothing to be scared of. It's. Literally the best thing that ever happened in my life. And I will be eternally grateful for my mom watching the news, which is just the weirdest thing on But Earth. it's happenstance,
0: but, you know, it's total chance.
1: Like I've never up until this day today, I've never just randomly seen his stuff, his information. It's always been a connection with something else. So it's not readily available. It's not out there. I see it because I'm part of these groups because I'm looking for it. Right. Um, I mean, my sister is a doctor in Arizona, and she's had MS for, I'd probably say, 12 years, I think. Are drugs
0: working for her?
1: They're not working as great as they should be. And I feel bad for her, and I try to counsel her as much as I can. Sometimes she asks me questions that, honestly, like I said at the beginning of this, I don't remember. Like I don't remember exactly how I felt after getting a somatidal drip. Um, but for the patients that go through it, if you are not mentally ready to go through it, there's nothing that anybody else can say. You have to be mentally, like at the bottom, mm. like hit rock bottom, to say okay i'm gonna do this because it is terrifying it is day one i was crying and i took the tone of i don't want to know just do it and there's if you're not mentally there yet i don't recommend it because you have to be mentally there you have to be ready to remove yourself from society Because you won't have an immune system. You will have to go through central lines and IV ports and blood draws and all this stuff. You have to be ready for it.
0: Yeah. Well, and you have to be ready to give over control, right? To say, I trust the doctor completely to do what's best and what they know and practice every day.
1: Well, and for me, like, and even now I look at it and I'm very I'll handle it myself. I want to control it. And that's part of like, I handed over the the controls to somebody else. And now I'm going to drive my life. And that's part of it. Like you need to blindly say, okay, you know what you're doing. Here's my life. That's a big thing to hand over. Huge. That's not like I'm going to get a haircut. Here's my hair. I'm getting my nails and like, I'm handing my life. You could kill me. And I know this and I am signing paperwork that says, if you kill me, I'm not going to do anything to you. I'm handing it to you. But it's literally the most important thing of everybody is handing your life over to somebody else and saying, okay, go for it.
0: It's a huge responsibility that I think Dr. Bird and his staff take really seriously. Mm Hmm. And other clinics, right? Other reputable HSCT clinics. Yes. You know, they've become experts in in their craft, and it's amazing what they do. And so carefully, right? And they do care for us.
1: Carefully and meticulously. And at one point during the transplant, which they knew this was going to happen, is I would spike a temperature and I would um, start having infection type situations because I had no immune system and I didn't even know it happened because I was half sleeping half not and Dr. Burt knew about it and it was like at two o'clock in the morning like he was he was there with me the entire time like I never felt like I was alone
0: that's amazing and he's still that way
1: (laughs) 15 Mm -hmm. years later
0: 15 years later yeah well, and so did you have others going through it with you at that time that you keep in touch with?
1: Um, no, I really didn't know anybody going through it at the same time. Um, well, on social like media, said, wasn't that's really... why I try. That's why I try to counsel and talk as much as I can because I did go through this by myself. Like my my family was obviously there for me, but there was nobody else that was going through it that I knew of.
0: Sure. So what were the essential components for you during that time? Like,
1: what were your supports? My supports? Um, trying to focus on what was not going on. Like, I knew what was going on. I knew that they were putting chemo into me, and I tried to focus on other things. I did a lot of s- cross-stitching <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and a lot of watching Friends and Sex and the City. Distraction. The essential, the essential part to it is make friends with the nurses. Oh yeah. You can get so much farther if you make friends with the nurses. So I ended up with a DVD player and I ended up with, um, actually one of the nurses ended up buying me this cross-stitching carrying case when I got released. But yeah, the nurses were, they took really good care of me, but I really wanted to focus on what wasn't, like I didn't want to know. So I just focused on other things.
0: Well, and you trusted that you were being cared for because mm-hmm. yeah, part of making those relationships is building that trust. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. So how has recovery been going? Recovery? Like I said, the, the only thing that I struggle with is, um, Everything that I had lost had come back with the exception of fine motor skills in my hands, which is why I was cross-stitching to work on those fine motor skills. Mm, building those muscles, um, yeah. I can't hold a lot of small things, and it's, it's a struggle for me to do it. I've kind of gotten away from cross-stitching because as I get older, I think I'm getting like tendonitis or something in my hands. So cross-stitching is really hard. So I've moved on to adult coloring books. um, Still fine motor, yeah. Still fine motor, but I don't have to worry about, like, the really tiny things because those needles are really tiny. Indeed. But other than that, I mean, the fine motor is is a constant. I have to work on it, and I can tell when I haven't done it in a while. Like, I'll go through periods where I just don't do it, And after like a week, 10 days, I'll start to notice it. So I'll start dropping a lot of things. So I know I have to go back to it.
0: Sure. Well, and you mentioned that you had uh, been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis at a very young age. Mm -hmm. So is that part of it? Or do you think some of the rheumatoid arthritis was also absolved with HSCT?
1: I think that it was strictly MS. Um... The rheumatoid arthritis, kind of at the age of four, it was completely gone. So I think all of it, all of my problems have stemmed with MS. Like I slowly lost my balance. I slowly lost my small motor functions. Sight kind of come, came and gone. Um, but everything else came back with the exception of my hands.
0: Wow. Well, and you mentioned fatigue, right? And walking long distances was Mm -hmm. also an issue.
1: Um, Mm -hmm.
0: And that's no longer an issue?
1: No. Um, When I got released and everything, long, long, long story short, um, my dog that I had back when I was going through it had passed away. We had decided that we didn't want another dog. Two weeks later, we had another dog. Um, And I trained him. So I... We'd get up early with him in the morning, like five o'clock in the morning. We'd go for like a two mile walk, kind of building myself up. So he was kind of my seeing eye dog, for lack of better terms. Sure. Um, Yeah. Therapy. dog. He he was my therapy dog and really kind of helped me get back to where I was.
0: Before transplant. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. So you would say HSCT
1: has worked. Oh, absolutely, hundred and ten percent. Were
0: there any tough decisions for you when you first found it and you're doing your research? You mentioned you really didn't want to know too many details. Like, was it really right. tough to not know? Was it really tough to hand over that control?
1: Um, yeah, a little bit. It was. Uh, it was really hard for. What was really easy for me is that. Like, my mom and I have a very good relationship, and if my mom was on board with it, I was fine. Like, the only time I ever have problems is if my mom thinks that, like, maybe this is not the best decision. I really didn't have a lot of problems, like, handing it over because I was being pushed in so many different directions by so many different people saying that you're fine, just keep moving through it.
0: But you knew you weren't fine.
1: Yeah. It was one day
0: at a time. Still is. Yeah, right? It really still is. One day at a time. So yeah. what was the cost to other people in your life when you were going through it at such a young age?
1: Um, I think it was stressful for everybody in one way or another. My sister at that time was in med school. My brother was in college. So I don't think there was really... I think the only people that were really affected by it were my parents because they were the ones that at the time they were both working downtown. Um, so my mom would come and stay with me from like after lunch until quitting time. So I think the stress of having a kid in the hospital yeah. was was hard, especially since like there were days where nobody was there. It was just me. Mm. There weren't a lot. But when you have somebody that's sick, you make like it just becomes your life. Mm, Like my dad is end stage ALS and Mm. I do a lot of driving to and from Chicago. Sure. And I don't look at it as work or stress Mm. or, oh, my God, I have to do this again. I look at it as it's family. Well, yeah.
0: Opportunity to spend time with him.
1: Yeah, opportunity to spend time with him, opportunity to spend time with my mom, make sure they're okay. I mean, it's a constant. I don't look at it as work. I don't look at it as it is stressful, but it's also you're watching a loved one die. So it's automatically going to be stressful. But I never saw any kind of stress on my family or my friends or anything like that.
0: They showed up. That's phenomenal. That sounds like your parents are a huge support in your life.
1: Yes, I am very close with my parents.
0: That's beautiful. So what could you offer as advice based on your experience and your experience even with MS and being in a family that's riddled with autoimmune disease? What would you offer as advice to others?
1: Um, It's not as scary as it sounds. It's work. I mean, you really have, it's still work as everything in life is, Mm -hmm. but it's worth it in the end.
0: Well, and so how do you continue to work at it?
1: How do I continue to work at it? I definitely try to make sure I take care of myself and take care of my body and not give anything a reason to flare back up. Right. Right. So it's a working out seven days a week. It's a making sure I'm eating the right things, not smoking, not drinking, no drugs, um, maybe an occasional glass of wine. But that's the extent of that. But really making sure that I'm taking care of myself so not to encourage anything to kind of flare up. mm because I've been given a second chance. I'm not going to blow it.
0: Yeah, right.
1: If I'm going to blow it, it's not going to be in my control.
0: Sure. Yeah, there you go. So cheers to almost, what, 15 years? It'll be
1: 15 years uh, next March. I turn 40 next, next January. So next year is kind of the big year.
0: How are you going to celebrate
1: um, me and a couple girlfriends are going to take a trip, small trip, like Florida or something like that. Um, and then I donate my hair next year. Nice. Every five years.
0: That's amazing. I'm sure everyone appreciates that effort.
1: I hope. And, you know, in central Illinois, we actually have a St. Jude subsidiary through OSF Medical. So it goes through St. Jude.
0: So it might not be like HSCT specific, it's but not it's directed sure. to
1: H, but I make sure that it is directed toward medically sure. needed things. Yeah. I don't do the whole, you know, locks for love or anything like that, because anything that traces back to like, you can buy it. That's not really the idea right. behind right. it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So shifting gears a little bit. What about a superpower? that maybe you gained from your experience with HSCT? Hmm.
1: Um, I guess being more conscious of my surroundings. Um, I've always been very conscious of things, but not really paid attention to them. Now, like <laughs> nobody can really like walk up behind me. Cause I can hear you coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they try and there will be people standing behind me and I'll know who they are. Like, okay, what can I, you know, Joe, what can I do for you? And they're like, how do you do that? I'm like, I just, I'm very conscious of my around my surroundings. And I think that's part of like paying attention to my body as well. Oh yeah. Is I'm very conscious of things, hurting things, being numb, Just paying attention.
0: Yeah. Well, what's going on at the cellular level in your body
1: Mm -hmm. and how
0: that radiates, you know, and and sensing other people.
1: The other part is I'm constantly trying to help other people, whereas before it was kind of like all for me Mm. and, you know, typical 20s. Sure. Um, But now it's I'm constantly trying to help people and it's not really about me. I don't know if that's healthy or not, but.
0: Well, to the extent that you are filled up by that effort, right, then mm-hmm. it is healthy. I mean, if yeah, if you can strike a balance where helping others does good for you, then absolutely it's healthy.
1: Yeah, I feel pretty fulfilled when I do it.
0: I'm sure. So it sounds like you share that superpower with others and we appreciate. (laughs) Well, I mean, even just the extent to which you continue to participate online is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. You're willing to lend a hand to continue to support people and getting to the place where they are confident going through HSCT. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's so important to get in the right mental
1: state. If you're not mentally there or not mentally ready, I think that was part of what helped me do so well is that I really just wanted it over and I'll do whatever I need to do to get through this.
0: Yeah, it's not always easy for people to get there.
1: It's not. I've counseled a lot of people that just not about stem cells, uh, transplants, but more MS patients and There's two of them that I counseled that they aren't there. And I counseled them over 10 years ago. But if they found something that works, then that's great. Like you found something that works.
0: Right. That's so important. There was nothing that worked for you.
1: Right. And that's the difference. And
0: very limited options.
1: Very limited
0: So what's been another, any other strategy that you would recommend to anyone or a book or a resource, anyone preparing to go through HSCT, who do find the mindset and do sign up, right, to hand their life over? Is there anything specific that you would recommend?
1: Talking to other patients. I think that uh, utilizing the community that is out there, you know, kind of, it takes a village. Indeed. Um. I think other patients can bring some light. There was somebody that reached out to me, um, a messenger that had asked about Graves' disease. This person had developed Graves' disease as well after the transplant and just asking how I have coped with it, how did I treat it? Like I said earlier, I'm all about like fix the problem. So my problem was my thyroid. So they took out my thyroid. Like fix the problem. Let's move on. Right. I'm I'm not all about trying to dance around problems. Right. Just because, yeah. Like prolonged. My my thyroid was. I did a thyroid storm for a little bit, and then they could never really get it back in line. So they gave me two options, like, well, we could do radioactive iodine or we could just take it out. I'm like, just take it out. Like, why are you going to do all that?
0: Let's be done with it.
1: And they're like, well, it is surgery. There is a risk. I'm like, yeah, there is. But just fix the problem. So I've never really understood the, oh, you really should have the surgery, but let's do all this physical therapy and, you know, home remedies and this that the other like if you know that you need to do this to fix it like yeah there's always a chance of death there's a chance of death for me walking across the street correct so there's a chance of death anywhere you go like Mm -hmm. that's my big thing at work indeed is I'm constantly trying to give them the tools to do it themselves I'm like if I get hit by a bus you're going to need to know this very, so very that's true. that's my whole thing is utilizing the communities that are out there to give you the support to move forward
0: that's just beautiful and thanks
1: for staying a
0: part of that community i
1: find uh I find some support in it myself like it's just it sometimes you can get Real down and and really frustrated. Like there are days where I literally have dropped coffee all over the floor, uh, dropped makeup down my front. Like just keep dropping things and it's frustrating. And so it kind of grounds you that you're not the only person that's going through this,
0: right? The old can pop up anytime, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when you're under stress or fatigued or not doing exercises like you should be. Mm-hmm. That the old disease patterns like to rear their ugly heads and yeah right. it is it's very grounding to remember like everyone has something going on and this is still my something
1: yeah and it will always be my something and that's why i don't call it a cure because if it was a cure then everything should be the way it should be and i shouldn't have small motor neuron problems i i you know, I have to sleep eight hours a day like that is what my body needs. I'm not a normal person that can probably get ar- away with six or seven, you know, six or seven or five. Like I go to bed at X time, I get up at X time and I have to make sure that I get those necessary hours of sleep.
0: It's so important. So important to take care of yourself and recognize those triggers Right. Mm -hmm. So that we can keep those old patterns and old habits um, at rest, if you will. Yes. So I'm curious, what are you grateful for about HSCT that maybe has gone unspoken?
1: A second chance. Like that's my internal gratefulness is getting a second chance.
0: That's powerful. It's that, you know, hitting rock bottom piece of mm-hmm. this right that you get to the point at least I got to the point in my disease progression where I had tried so many different things and then just continue to get worse and it's I just I knew I didn't want to live the rest of my life the way it was headed
1: yeah that's exactly what it is it's I don't I don't want to keep doing this I don't want to keep going around this and something needs to change
0: yeah if there's an option out there like HSCT, that would stop the progression. Even if it doesn't work, I need to take that chance,
1: right? Uh, Even if it doesn't work, and I know there are some patients that it didn't work. But what if it does? That's the bigger question. Like, yeah, it might not. Yeah, you might be worse off. You might be the same but you will not know until you try it.
0: Yeah. And not that there were many drug options out there for you when you went through it, but you know, the drugs will always be there on the other
1: side. And if it doesn't work, then there's the drugs, but using, it it's driven me crazy using the drugs as the end all. Like I kind of laugh. They run my, chem panels and everything and my liver tests just because of all the drugs that I've taken worrying about liver issues because nobody knows what the long-term effects on all the stuff I've taken is right and I kind of laugh about it like if I have a headache and it's like true like I have a high pain tolerance but if I have a headache and it's really killing me I'm going to take an aspirin like, if I, if my liver's fine after all the stuff that I've taken up to now, an aspirin's not going to kill it. <laughs> right. Now, I don't take seven aspirins. I take one. Um, like, I don't overdo it. But the scared of what drugs will do, our life expectancy as a whole is way higher than it's ever been. You know, I've heard the arguments of, well, there's so many more diseases that are out there. It could be from taking all these drugs and whatnot, or they didn't know what it was when it showed up originally. Very true. Which is a very good possibility.
0: Right. And with science and understanding more about the body, now we're learning all these diseases, but also the power of the body to heal itself. Right. I mean, yeah, it sounds like your liver is functioning quite well still yeah it's perfectly fine so because you're taking good care of it right and you're not yeah drinking alcohol every day that forces your liver to work
1: harder right the only thing that I drink every day is coffee
0: that's unnecessary.
1: <laughs> I need my coffee I don't go crazy I have a small four cup coffee maker it's just me but I need my coffee I don't care
0: that's powerful antioxidant It really is. Yeah.
1: And it makes me less grumpy. So. (laughs) So important. Let's all be grateful. I'm not grumpy.
0: Well, I'm really grateful that you share your joy with others in the HSCT community. And you continue to be part of the family of support for people who are trying to figure out if it's the right choice for them.
1: Anytime.
0: Well, thank I you. Love yeah. doing it. Well, thank you for going to the Vatican and presenting with Dr. Burt. That's so exciting and sharing your story here with us on the podcast. Definitely. It's been just a thank pleasure you. talking with you. You too. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, and learning more about all of your experience has just really been a gift. 15 years, it's quite a gift. And so cheers to you on your upcoming big birthdays. Thank you. What is the stem cell birthday date?
1: Uh, Stem cell is March 8th. So yes. one thing that I saw through all this is that his his group is a team. Yes. Like he's got an oncologist, he's got a neurologist, he, you know, he's an immunologist. Right. There's all these different, and I think it's very important when treating these kind of diseases that it's like when we take my dad to the doctor, when we used to take my dad to the doctor, like you'd have a PT person, you'd have a breathing person, you'd have all these different people that would visit with you, kind of the same way that it worked with Dr. Burt. Yeah, but integrated think, care. Yeah. I think treating these different diseases is not just a neurology, not just right. immunology. Be. It's a group. Like when I moved to Central Illinois, I refused to move my doctors because my doctors, all talk to each other. And like, even now, when I was diagnosed, I had optic neuritis. So they're constantly checking. Like I see my ophthalmologist once a year, she checks everything, makes sure everything's okay. She posts and my general practitioner sees it. They all talk to each other and I refuse to change my doctors because I've worked very hard to keep everybody Integrated.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the future of medicine, hopefully. Right. That
1: oh, God hoping uh,
0: because it is
1: so much more effective. Well, and it's so much more like, it's not just you have MS, you have, you know, deal with <laughs> fatigue here or sight here or fine motor skills. Like it's not just your myelin sheath being disintegrated. Right. Like that's neurology. That's not why my hand how I work around my hand.
0: Right, or how to rehabilitate your hand.
1: Right. So like I had to find rehabilitation myself. Like that's why I came up with the cross stitching and, you know, adult coloring books and scrapbooking and all that stuff is a I'm fairly artistic and B I it works on my hands. Like I had, but I had to find that not everybody is artistic and likes to do this stuff. So there's got to be other things out there that they can work on to help these things. Like it worked out that we got a puppy right after I got out of the hospital. Right.
0: So you had a reason to,
1: like, I had a reason to start walking with her, with them because I had to train them. Right. It was good training for you. Yeah. Yeah. This is all stuff that I had to figure out for myself. So that's not how easy. You no, know, it's exhausting sometimes. Well, this system that we're all stuck in is. Well, and like, it drives me crazy. You know, there's, I don't get political at all because it's just a very good way to get in a fight with somebody. And, but the one thing that I am 100% behind is that our healthcare system is broken. So broken. like seriously broken and I can say this because my sister is a surgeon I've seen I can't even tell you how many different doctors I mean I still remember my doctor's name in Louisiana that diagnosed me um but our healthcare system is broken it's not a you know team of doctors it's one doctor that thinks that you should do a b c d e and if you don't like it Right. And
0: it's hard to even question that doctor,
1: right? You, you can't. You can't question them. You know how the billing works. It cracks me up when I go to pick up my prescriptions. It's like the prescription costs $400, but my insurance, because of my insurance, they covered 395 of it. Seriously? Then why don't you just charge $5 for right, it? Right. Like call it a day.
0: Well, because like, at some point they're getting payments from the insurance company, right?
1: Right. There's an entrepreneurial couple in Texas somewhere that is actively fighting the drug companies because it. I take Advair, which is like the purple disc um, inhaler, and what the drug companies do is they hold on to their patents longer. And figure out how to hold on to it longer so they can charge whatever they want. So for one inhaler, and I have very good insurance, one inhaler cost me $85. Whoa. Like, the stuff that they did with um, the EpiPen is disgusting.
0: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And they're just waiting for people to forget. They offer no other
1: option. There's no other option and they hold on to these patents so that they can charge you and the insurance companies, whatever they want.
0: It's a racket. It's a total so, little racket.
1: The whole thing, you know, what my sister has to do, cause she works on a lot of VAs, what she has to do for billing all the whole thing from the doctors to the med schools, med schools cost 500 grand. Seriously? Like, these are people that are going to save us and people who are
0: devoting themselves to healing other people.
1: When I got out of college, I went to college basically to be a child psychiatrist. And, but when I graduated, I was so sick that I couldn't even phantom the idea of going back to school for like for grad school, continuing, continuing education. And that was a B I was the I'm the oldest. So I went to a private college that cost me 80 grand and I got an amazing education. I'm not saying anything about that, but now I'm 80 grand in debt. Right. Right. So who wants to go on for further education? So I ended up like just trying to find a job and I ended up in jewelry and I love it. I love what I do for a living. I would never trade it for anything. That's amazing but the entire healthcare system is broken. And the people that wanna sweep it underneath the rugs, I can guarantee they have an insurance company or a drug company in their back pocket. And that's what's so sickening.
0: It really is, it really truly is. I mean, I get it, why HSCT isn't an option. there's no
1: long term anything like the insurance companies don't make any money because they have patients that are now healthy. The the drug companies don't make any money because they have patients that don't need their drugs anymore. Yeah. And why would why would they like it? Right.
0: And why would they ever support it? So, yeah. Thank you for sharing your story, because it helps us let people know that it's an option.
1: Of course. Anytime. When the, when
0: the doctors won't present it as an option. It just is, it's. Yeah, no, it was great talking with you and I wish you, you all the best with your dad. That's not, it's not easy to be a caregiver and especially no. to, to see your parents suffer.
1: It's just, um, I feel bad for my mom more sure. than yeah. me, but cause she's there 24 seven.
0: Well, and just, you know, like you want to be able to end suffering. You want to hold on to life and, and the good memories and all of the good. So yeah, my heart goes out to all of you. Thank you. I'm glad you get to still be there with him and and spend time. Yeah. That's so important. So yeah, good luck with all of that and make sure you continue to take care of yourself. Nice talk to you. Oh, thank you. Be sure to visit our website, hsctwarriorspodcast.com, where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and access the latest HSCT research and resources. Special thanks to musical genius Bill Alitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Take a moment to leave a review because your feedback will help to develop even better episodes, and your ratings will help other people find the show. Tune in next Wednesday for a brand new episode, highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well.